Listener Production. Hey mate, so I've been talking about my nose surgery where I flew to America, to Baltimore to be exact, to have this nose surgery. And so I want to pick the story back up. It's three days after the operation. So I see the surgeon and he, he tells me he wasn't able to finish what he'd planned to do. It was because the forehead flap looked like it was going to die. It has a compromised blood supply. Remember, this is something the surgeons have always talked about. Blood supply. We won't have any blood supply. He said that the flap started to look pale and it's at that point that you start finishing up. You do not start making more incisions and doing other parts of the face. So he said out of the five different things he did, he was able to do three of them. And so he said he'd like to see me again so he can finish the job that he started. He's shaved down the bridge of my nose with a file and so I imagine a gaping cavern. I I don't know what my nose looks like now because it's all bandaged. They ended up using cadaver rib, and he he holds up his fingers to demonstrate how big the piece of rib was. It's about a five-centimetre piece. I've got so many questions about that. Like, did they cut it up into little pieces? Is it just a five-centimetre piece, just that big chunk? Whose rib was it originally? How old was the cadaver? But I don't ask any questions about that. So he's given me some more projection. He shaved the bridge, made that smaller. Great, awesome. And he wants me to come back to work on my nostrils. I get discharged from the hospital after two nights and I go to the hotel and I'm, I'm tired and I'm in pain. And most of all, I'm lonely. The highlight of my day is when it's 6 a.m. in Cairns and I get to FaceTime Michael and talk to the boys. They seem really unfazed about my swollen face and eyes, and rightly so, right? They're little boys. They focus on whether or not I've bought them presents and when am I coming home. I've booked in calls with friends and family, so I look forward to the evening. I have a glass of wine, and I chat to them about their day and about mine. It's super restrictive recovering from an operation. I can't go for a run. I'm tired and woozy. Walking around, I'm just... My face is sore, right? So I'm scared of someone hitting my face. I don't want to go to a museum or to a cafe because I don't want to get a weird bug. I'm not a germaphobe, but I know from experience that getting an infection can set you back and it can also affect the operation that you've just had. I've got a bit of a routine for the day I wake up. I have a coffee. I call a girlfriend back home. It's night time. I do a bit of writing, I go for a little walk, I order room service, I watch a movie, I do a bit of yoga, one of the stretching videos from my program run with Taria. The best part is that I can actually breathe through my nose. And so my favorite thing, my favorite thing to do is to go outside into the fresh air and take deep, slow breaths through my nose. I can feel the cold air like whooshing in through my nostrils and going down the back of my throat and going all the way into my belly. And so I go out for a walk and it could be the endone that I've just popped, but I'm suddenly filled with helium hope. 
I'm outside, it's sunny, it's busy, there's families and kids playing in the square, there's groups of friends eating at a cafe, Santana pumps from the bars, a couple shares a cigarette by the water, a woman in a tan leather jacket and tan cowboy boots walks her St. Bernard, and a week passes, and then the time comes for me to go back to hospital to get the bandages taken off. The nurse cleans the wound and she cuts out the sutures. And I ask what it looks like and she hands me a mirror. And my initial thoughts are, um, I can't actually tell what he's done. Like, have I travelled halfway around the world for fucking nothing? And then I, I take a closer look and it's straighter, right? It's no longer twisted. I can breathe properly through my nostrils. There's cartilage inside it giving it support and shape. It's super swollen still, and I'm told it will go down and the nostrils still not need some work. But I really like it. I'm happy. I start crying. And when I get back to my hotel room, I look at myself in the mirror, and I feel more symmetrical. And I take another photo, and my eyes and my nose and my lips, they all line up. And it was almost like they were wonky before, when I smiled, and so I'm really happy. I can't wait to talk to Michael. I send him a text, and he FaceTimes me at 4.30 a.m. And I'm, I'm actually really nervous before speaking to Michael because I'm, I'm worried that maybe... that maybe he won't be able to see the difference. And so I answer the phone and Michael is blown away. He says it looks amazing and he's he's so happy for me. Michael is a guy of few words, right? But he is just peppering me with so many questions right now. He's asking to see my nose from different angles. He wants to see underneath the nostrils. He asks about breathing. He says he can see a big difference and he lists all the changes. And so I'm crying again. I say it's only been a week and I already love it so much more. We both agree that it would just keep looking better. He's concerned about me touching it and he agrees with my surgeons that I shouldn't blow my nose. And I ask Michael if I'm more beautiful and he hesitates because I, and I understand his dilemma. He already thought I was beautiful, Paul. He already thought I was beautiful before. And I can keep getting operations that make me look more aesthetically conventional. But it it doesn't matter to Michael. And I also know that for the person on the street, I will probably look similar to how I did before, right? A, a burned, long-haired woman still looks like a burned, long-haired woman. But Michael also understands that sometimes I feel self-conscious about how I look and objectively the operation has made me more symmetrical. And so he says, yes, darling, you look very beautiful. It was a wonderful operation. And that, my friend, brings me up to the present moment. In the decades since the fire and with my experiences, It's changed the way I look at the world. 
And that's why I do this podcast, right? It's because I, I'm living proof that these little strategies like gratitude and visualization and making space for yourself and focusing on the positives, what I chat about on this podcast, they work. They work for me and I think they can work for you too. When you're faced with a challenging situation, whether it's one you choose, like flying across the world to have a surgery on your own, or one you don't choose, like getting a serious illness or losing someone you love, these little things, they become more important than ever. Focusing on the positives, it does actually help. But that can be tiring. And it's okay to be upset about shit. It's okay to compartmentalize and take a break from hope from time to time. Do whatever it is you need to do to get through your day. Your kids don't need you all of the time and it's okay to leave them in order to look after yourself. It's also okay to ask your family and friends for help, whether that's getting your in-laws over or setting up a FaceTime schedule or some other way people want to help. That's it from me. Thanks for letting me share that and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Terea Pitt's Pep Talk. Follow to get new pep talks every day. Listener.